Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What? Today I've got David Hunt on and he's an executive coach. Hi David. Hi Daniel. How are we today? I'm good thank you and thanks for having me on the show. Absolute pleasure. Actually one of our previous guests recommended you um, to us, Fiona Bradley, um, uh, and she yes. said it would be really good to have you on and chat and I've, I said to Fiona, you know, I've always been, I don't know why, um, but sort of hesitant to have sort of executive coaches on and things like that, because it's fair to say sometimes the industry gets a bit of a bad rap, but she highly recommended you. We've had a chat and I'm really excited for you to tell everyone about what you do, because I think you're, you're somebody that's doing it really, really well. Lovely. Thank you, Daniel. And thanks. Uh, I have to thank Fiona as well. Mm, definitely. So do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you actually do, David? Yeah, sure. So, um, so, so what I do, I guess, is in its simplest form is I help people live up to their potential. And what that means is that could be sort of potential in their careers, um, potential in their life. So they might be going through particular challenges um, or they want to achieve something that feels a bit out of reach from where they are standing at this point in time. So we'll work together and over a period of time, through coaching sessions, I help them to see a pathway that that sort of brings out the best on what they have to offer, and they can get to that that milestone that they're looking for, um, which all needs to be set out straight at the off. What are you trying to achieve? And it has to be something that they feel inspired by, and really want to, really are willing to take the time and put in the commitment and the effort to get there. Because it doesn't really work if people don't want it hard enough so is this about helping people to build habits and also offer some sort of accountability to them that's right so if a, if a, if i think about my relationship to my coach it would be about they holding me accountable they um, don't really accept any of my sort of negativity or um, trash talk about myself they sort of cut through all of that and they find ways for me to think more productively about what i'm trying to achieve and they also, I think most like coaches um, very helpfully offer different lenses of events that help you see opportunities, behaviours and mindsets in a different way. Because over time, uh, Daniel, we get quite conditioned to our way of doing things, our way of thinking, and we make lots of different associations. So really, the main thing a coach does is they help the client break that mindset temporarily to just see the world from different angles and consider what that shows them what that enables them to do differently or what that, how that enables them to think differently mm. so how do you even begin to sort of get into something like this because i imagine it's not something you can go to university for and get a degree and maybe you can but how did you get into it for example well, it's interesting. It's it's not as um, well known of, I suppose, an industry or, or pathway as people um, that people would t typically talk about. But there is there are courses you can do at university, but it's not necessary to to really get into there. So for me, for example, I spent um, seventeen years as a management consultant, and there are a lot of synergies between consulting and coaching. Um, for one, it's a, you do a lot of facilitation. Um, you're not really making decisions for the client. You're trying to help them see things from different perspectives, like we talked about earlier. 
And and I suppose for me, through through having such a long career in consulting, I gradually got introduced to a lot of the tools and techniques and um, ways of doing things that are also adopted in coaching. So to to I got to a point where I sort of decided, actually, I just want to do all of the people development stuff um, as, or as much as that's possible and a bit less of the sort of uh, traditional consulting work. So I think for people wanting to get into it, I think it definitely helps to have a background in a profession, although it's not completely necessary. I do know coaches that have studied at a university, um, joined training providers, um, and then sort of gone on from there. Um, but personally, for me, it was drawing on my own experiences of having coaches working in a, uh, a very high-paced, um, high-pressure and demanding industry that's then given me a real uh, insight to how people think and an appreciation for what a coach can do for somebody. And I'm somebody that's run teams of like 30 plus people, different providers, multi-skilled teams, uh, multidisciplinary. And the bigger and the, the bigger the project and program and the more responsibility you get, you start to realize that actually you can't rely on your expertise of things anymore you you really need to rely on the people you have around you so sort of two things there you need to know how to hire good people and spot people that are really going to make the difference and give your team the edge and also you need to know how to get the best out of those people once you've got them and the people that you do have available and you don't always have choices as a consultant you can sometimes actually often adopt the clients or some of the client staff um, into your team and so you have to think about how do I get the best out of everybody I'm not going to make everybody superstars but a five or ten percent increase in their performance their positivity their optimism of the outlook um, can go a long way when you're talking about days and weeks on a project mm, no that's really interesting that you come from that sort of management consulting background and then decide to really focus on the you know, the, the actual, uh, the personal side of it, if you like, you know, the personal development side of it. Mm. But is it fair to say that to go into this industry and work in it, you have to be self-employed or are there big consultancies that maybe offer this sort of executive coaching? How does the industry look to you? Um, so the industry is, it's a bit scattered. So there are organizations that you can, uh, if you're looking for a coach, there are organisations and platforms out there that's sort of a little bit like your your Uber idea of find me a find me a coach and there's like star ratings and reviews and sort of a, a bio on those people. Um, there are some organisations that offer coaching and some organisations now, especially these days, are trying to develop some of that capacity in house. I, I think I'm seeing a lot more leaders becoming interested in coaching skills and there's a big school of thought now about there are sort of two aspects to being a leader and one is the providing the vision and the conditions for people to be successful and the other part is getting the most out of people and coaching is a great way of doing that so i think we're seeing a few different aspects of that breaking into the business world if you're working for a large organizations so say one of the big consultancies or in the civil service there are provisions for, for coaching there um, but as I'm sure people would uh, your listeners would would appreciate it's a very personal thing coaching it's not really the kind of thing 
you could just say, I need a coach, somebody find me a coach and they turn up and you have a, an absolutely amazing coaching session. It's you've really got to find the person that is going to work best with you, click with you. And that's it's very personal. You're going to be sharing lots of sensitive information with them. Um, I like working people that come from my industry because for me, it sort of helps us both cut through a lot of misunderstanding on things because we've, we're sort of coming from similar places. Now, that doesn't mean I know everything about, you know, where they're coming from, but I've got a good idea, like 50 to 60 percent. Um, I've got a you know, great understanding from the straight from the off. Um, does that answer your question, Dave? Yeah, certainly. And then how do you think people are kind of, I mean, personal development's growing, isn't it? As an industry, more people are getting interested. Like you just said, there's a, a change in thought process for leaders that they need to also offer some sort of coaching to their staff or, or to have coaching themselves to make them a better person, a better worker. Now, the industry is, is definitely growing. How do you see that continuing? Is it maybe coaches for, like you're saying, maybe specific industries? So you've done management consulting, maybe there'll be a whole lunch bunch of coaches for that and different industries or do you think you can be a coach across multiple industries how do you see it growing um so i don't think it's necessary essential for you for you to be coached by someone that's um from your industry but we're definitely seeing a lot more niching now so and i'm i couldn't tell you for that's purely for marketing reasons that people are so sort of try and find innovative ways of presenting themselves to 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 people to make themselves more attractive so um that kind of thing um but i think i think we'll see a lot more of that sort of dissecting of down to very granular level of detail of what kind of coach you could be looking for and i haven't quite decided whether that's a good thing or a bad thing at mm -hmm. the moment, if I'm if I'm completely honest, because I guess I haven't experienced that yet, and I haven't personally gone out and looked for a real niche coach to be able to tell anybody that yeah, like niching, niching really helped me dive into that really specific thing that's unique to me as a man of my age bracket in my sector, um, you know, and that that's the kind of level people are going down to that mm. I've seen some coaches going down to, but I think. Most commonly, generically, in, in coaching circles, that sort of thought as more of a marketing thing than than anything else. But I could be wrong. Mm, I just, like I said, haven't haven't experienced it myself. Mm. And then, what kind of skill sets do you think somebody needs to be a good coach? Um, definitely a good listener. I mean, it, it's a lot of um, a lot of the skill sets I say would say would be quite common with any good person you'd want to work with even in your just normal business. So someone that listens, somebody that doesn't immediately jump to their knee-jerk gut reactions on things, so they've got the um, resolve to sort of withhold their first instincts to speak or tell somebody the solution that they thinks, you know, that the person's missing. And that is a real key thing with, with coaching. It's not just about helping the other person in that conversation it's also about restraining yourself and not letting you interfere with the other person's thinking which and this is probably where coaching differs a bit from other things like mentoring is mentoring is a much more directive approach you're 
your niche sort of uh, idea might work more in mentoring because I might be looking for a, 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 to progress my career in a particular industry as a man, as a certain age, and the mentoring would help uh, because it's coming from somebody that's been through that similar pathway and, and meets those sort of criteria. Um, I think coaching um, less so. And sorry, Daniel, have I, have I answered the question or, or do I? Yeah, no, no, certainly. Yeah. Any other particular skill set do you think somebody may need? Yeah. So sorry. Um, so, so listening, we've already covered um, being able to form open questions I would say and that mm -hmm. that is a skill and I I mean for me personally you can learn it a bit but it's not just about op asking open questions it's about the timing and that is something that I think just comes with a lot of experience and that's why coaches have to do a lot of hours in their training to become a coach because these things aren't really easily taught they're they are things that are experienced and it's really only when you're really in control of yourself and like I said listening intently restraining any of your knee-jerk responses mm -hmm. to what someone might be saying which could be all sorts of things um, is then being able to go right I've heard something there I've got an idea I'm quite I'm feeling quite inquisitive I'm gonna ask this question at the right time and hopefully that will have the impact and it mm -hmm. sounds quite a minutia thing and it and it really is in a coaching session you can ask a bunch of questions sometimes and you're just not really scratching you're just scratching at the surface you're not really getting to the the sort of acorn of of what's going on mm -hmm. and then suddenly you'll get that question and it just changes the whole conversation it could be 10 minutes in 20 minutes in 40 minutes in um and that's as a coach that's something you're always trying to develop you want to try and get those deep insights earlier in the conversation to give the person um, the greatest amount of time to really play with those ideas and look at the world through those perspectives that's really interesting um let's talk a bit about accreditations and kind of theories that people need to learn because it's fair to say there are a lot of people online calling themselves coaches um, and offering advice to people but how do you go about sort of making yourself maybe a bit more official? You know, are there theories you need to learn? Are there accreditations you can you can get to make yourself uh, best place to go into this? Well, there, there definitely are. So um, personally, I'm accredited by the EMCC um, and there is another big organization called ICF. Um, and so there's a there's a bunch of providers that certify courses that people can do to become a transformational coach or a life coach or executive coach. Um, so I, I thoroughly recommend that pe people look for those accredited courses because they are, they are people working on these things all the time to make sure the most relevant and useful material is being put into those courses. And that's really what you want. You want to, when you're training, you want to see a broad landscape of tools and theories that you can choose from because there are lots of different avenues you can go down as a coach and again when we talked about the niching some people like to deep dive and specialize in just um, one or two different methodologies um, so you really need to try the, the whole variety if you go with a coach that's already chosen their niche 
and has already gone down that route and they're not certified and, and aren't giving you that broad experience of everything that there is to offer in that, that sort mm. of world, then you're potentially already narrowing your scope of what, what skills you're going to learn straight from the off. And you might just be learning somebody's style mm. rather than here is the playing field. Uh, and what kind of theories are you actually learning in these courses i'd imagine there's maybe an element to sort of the brain psychology maybe some things like that but what kind of things are you learning about yeah so um so it, it's like what you mentioned but more specifically so things like um somatic coaching which is really helping people work with their sort of four four key senses as we called it so their thoughts their feelings their their gut instinct and what they're sensing from their body in different circumstances and that is really about our bodies our brains all providing lots of different information um, to ourselves but because of the sort of world we live in we get spend a lot of time just caught up in our heads most of the time we forget that we have all these other instincts available to us mm -hmm. so somatic coaching is really working with those other instincts and some of it is to make people more aware of it so for instance, you might learn something like when I'm um, starting to rage and get angry in a, in a conversation or a meeting or something, there will be certain telltale signs that my body starts sending me, um, like things like my shoulders tensing up or my fists clenching. And there's some like really obvious things that I'm just giving here. But some of that can be really unique to people. And it's the same for anxiety and other things. And the more aware of those things people can be, Mm. Um, the more information they have, the more they can maybe have an intervention with themselves before things sort of spiral down one avenue of thought or yeah. emotional response to something. So that's somatics. Um, positive psychology is another another big area, which, despite the name, isn't really about you know, positive, um, like just reciting positive things to yourself. It's really about... I suppose keeping having sort of free skill main skill areas so mm. um, working with your strengths more um, which a lot of people will fall into careers without really thinking about what am I good at what do I actually like and I think that is changing I think people are becoming mm. a lot more aware of that um, but you can still find yourself moving up a career ladder and I've definitely seen it with people where in some traditional organizations they think, well, that person's really good at their job, whatever their job might be. So say they are um, a, an engineer, um, systems engineer. They're really good at their job. We'd like to keep them. We'd like to keep them happy, pay them more money. Let's make them the manager of the engineers. Mm. But that might not be their skill set. And that's and they, you know, they're not going to say no to having extra money mm. and the prestige. But that's not playing to their skill set and their strengths. And we, we often see a lot of people get promoted in that way and that is not playing to their their best position mm -hmm. and then they get all sorts of things there where they might drop out of that job or they might become quite resistant to management or um uh, or just not motivated or managing the staff well uh, well so um i think there's there's those sort of aspects of positive psychology as well mm -hmm. as trying to find meaning in what you're doing and you can be you can live a very happy life as i've met lots of professionals who are very happy what they're doing because they are working to their strengths and they're mm. using their strengths on a very regular basis and they can see the results of that and that makes them happy if you layer on meaning on top of that 
and they really believe in the value of what they're doing and that it has importance in their in their world then suddenly you know you have really happy workers and people that are doing exceptional things and going that extra mile so positive mm -hmm. psychology isn't really the fluffy stuff at all it's it's really about find, finding the positive elements of your life and your job and then engaging with them as often as possible yeah that sounds really uh, that's really interesting i've never heard somebody break down executive coaching into those those parts and it all kind of makes sense and i can actually see where you get the value from that definitely and and the theories you're learning are, are incredibly important as well but for you what's been the probably biggest positive you've had since you've started doing this work um I mean, the, the probably the main reason, Daniel, that most people get into coaching is it feels really good when you see people really transform um, and just re and just live their achievement. And suddenly you've gone from a situation where they don't think it's possible, they want to do it, but they just can't see the wood through the trees and anything else. And then suddenly you know, people glow when they when they get those outcomes. And that is so fulfilling. And I think that's, that's what makes coaching quite unlike any other job and profession is having those experiences, even as years as a project and program manager. Um, it's such a long and arduous journey and what you're doing and delivering a project and there's mm. lots of ups and downs, everything else. And it's quite often the case. Um, what has been in my experience that you get to the end and people are just like either relieved or <laughs> just like beaten a bit like mm. my goodness that was that was one hell of a journey it's gone on for years etc and etc you'd never get that sort of eureka moment with people really at the end and i've I, and maybe it's another reason why i've, I've changed and moved into more coaching mm. is because you know i'd always finish a contract or a project or a program and my mind immediately goes to what's next mm. I, I never really had that sense of um, euphoria of wow what an achievement and it's it's only really until I'm sort of writing my CV or at the next interview where I'm suddenly thinking like oh wow yeah I did that. yeah that's, that's really good <laughs> interesting and what what for you has probably been the biggest challenge since you started doing this um, Biggest challenge, I mean, for me, it's probably been a bit typecast as management consultant and then trying to do something else. I still have lots of people and I still work, do some work as a consultant. So I still have lots of people um, contact me about consulting work, um, but I'm obviously trying to tip that balance more towards coaching. So I think for me, that's a big challenge. So I suppose basically what I'm saying in a nutshell is finding new clients that are the right type of client is always a big challenge in coaching and i think this is some advice i got from from my coach was when we sort of pondered options of do you completely throw in the towel and go straight into coaching wholeheartedly or do you keep some other doors open at least for some amount of time and i think that was good advice because you don't really you don't want to be a desperate coach and what i mean by that you don't want to be somebody that just takes on anybody even mm. if you don't really gel with them or you don't think they're a good fit for coaching or you know just because you need to you need to live and you need to, to earn a living um, and i think by having those other options and the consulting and, and i'm sure it's the same for a bunch of other coaches 
um, it does allow you to be a bit choosy. Mm. Uh, and that is definitely a good thing because you want, you know, you only succeed in coaching if your clients succeed because uh, you really need those testimonials and you really need those referrals from them. And that's how really good organic business is generated, which is not too dissimilar from most other industries. You know, it's yeah. the same with same with uh, consulting. I get a lot of work just because um, you get on well with a lot of people on a previous project, and they think, "Well, I had a good experience, safe pair of hands. We had some scrapes together, we got through it." You know, that's the kind of person I'd work with, and that's the kind of person I'd probably recommend to somebody else who was like, who was in a pinch. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And then knowing everything you know now, would you still go into this industry? Uh, definitely. And I I think probably in the UK, it's not um, prevalent enough. And I think if it takes, if it takes a bit more uh, tightening of legislation around uh, qualifications for being a coach, I think that's only a good thing if it means that more people have access to coaches in their organisation. I think if the, um, like you said earlier, people sort of moonlighting as coaches or having an experience but not really being trained and then trying to, to, to teach that experience, I think if that's what's putting people off, then that's a bad thing because it really, it really can make the difference and it really can give people a, a, the edge. And for some of us, we think, well, that's coaching is a bit of a luxury but for some people it, it really isn't it's a necessity they have to get out of the situation they're in they've they've tried all other avenues they've tried self self-help and other things and it's not really about healing it's not really right for therapy they need something else and that's where coaching has a very valuable gap and why it's a growing industry mm. well david it's been a genuine pleasure hearing all about what you do and i think for me as well you've definitely explained it in a way that i can actually understand what what coaches do now and i see immense value in, in what you guys do so thank you very much for coming on and chatting to us uh, and where can people find you in, in your business um so people can find me at um, on my website so www.thegoodlifecoach.co.uk or on linkedin either search for david hunt or the good life coach brilliant thanks david wonderful thanks daniel